the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. I do not know how much of the previous last five minutes is canon to the rest of this conversation. Uh, well, uh, it's like before the snap and after the snap, John. I'm trying to speak your language. I appreciate that. Have you been watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No, I'm sure you no. have not. Uh, you were pretty upset at the end of WandaVision, as I recall. Uh, the whole MCU is bullshit. Yes, I've heard. I've heard you. I've heard you make such claims. And 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 this is one of those when people are always like, "Oh, people on the left never want to like. They just want to live in a, in, a, in, a, in like an echo chamber." I'm like, there are things to be that you can happily disagree on and still maintain a professional and friendly relationship with somebody. Yes, this is example, one of those things. For example, there's no qualitative difference between Avengers Endgame and Venom. Oh, kill yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so, John, we talked before. Uh, we we had a little of a uh, of a disrupted recording just a mm-hmm. few minutes ago, uh, and it's mostly because John and I haven't done a podcast in about six months, so we've lost right. the technical ability yes. to create a podcast. Absolutely. Um, and the we are introducing a new premise for our show, which is we only do podcasts with Kayla Drescher. Yes. Yeah, so every couple of months, expect a new episode of the setup with Chris Grace, John Accardo, and Kayla Drescher, and eventually that number will dwindle down just to Kayla Drescher hosting her own. Ver- of the which I th- I hope one day will happen to all podcasts. They just all she just becomes like a Rupert Murdoch of podcasts, and she's yeah. just at the top of all of them. You make it weird with Kayla Drescher. Yeah. The Mark WTF. Marin. Yeah. WTF, WTF with Kayla Drescher. Um, oh, the, the, the Conan t- O'Brien podcast with Kayla. Yeah. Drescher. What's Joe Rogan's bullshit podcast? Um, uh, the, I Joe, that the Kayla Drescher experience. The Kayla Drescher experience. It's Kayla Drescher's world. We just live in it. Yeah. That's the uh, so that's all just a short way to say that uh, our guest today is Kayla Drescher. Kayla Drescher. Woo. Whoa, welcome. Kayla. Oh, I should give the same intro. Uh, uh, intro. Uh, 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 yeah. Um, um, you know her from the Shazam podcast, Champions of Magic. And next weekend, uh, April 30th through uh, May uh, 2nd, the online Wonder Gala. Uh, get your tickets and registrations at uh, shazampod.com slash OWG. Welcome, Kayla. It's Kayla Drescher. Hey, I would also just like to say officially that my voice is not nearly pleasant or soothing enough to host all podcasts. Mm. Um, also, I just talk about the same three things over and over again. So get ready for that world. <laughs> what are the three? What are the three things? Um, my dog. Okay. Classic. How much People I dislike dogs. magicians, right? Yes. Uh, how much I dislike most magicians, which fits with this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very and. Well. How much I um, don't like cooking. What? Oh. Now that's a hot take. That's a hot take. You heard it here first, folks. In in this room, that's a hot take. It's such a hot take because I burn everything. That's how Mm. hot it is. I burn everything I cook. I've just gotten used to loving charred food. (laughs) And that's it. But um, Um, but, uh, uh, your partner, um, Harrison, he cooks quite a bit. He he cooks a lot, does he not? He's a fantastic have conversations cook. about like recipes he's found, like vegan recipes and such. He only has one talking point, which is food. So mm. yeah, I have three. He has one. It's not my. And they're complimentary much. since one of your three is talking about how you don't like to cook. Want you? You're perfectly complimentary. Usually uh, the morning. This is our morning conversation. Oh, are you awake? Yes, Harrison, I'm awake. Can I talk to you about something? Yes, Harrison, you can talk to me about something. Internally, I'm going, I haven't had coffee yet, so this isn't a good choice, but I'm not going to stifle your um, excitement and creativity. And then Harrison goes, I'm thinking about cooking the following meals today. And then he talks about all the things he's going to cook today and for the rest of the week. And then it's currently the end of April, but he's already planning next year's Passover menu. Nice. So it's he's got a real big passion for food. 
I have I'm two, gonna... two responses to that. One is we should all go to the restaurant that my husband Eric and I went to last weekend as part of our first post-vaccination meal, which was Osteria Mama on Melrose, mm. where I had a crostini with uh, burrata, mm. uh, truffle shavings, and prosciutto. Wow. And a little bit of honey. Ooh, yeah, That's honey one. Second thing is, uh, can you make a note to tell Harrison to investigate 15-hour confit potatoes? So that's making a potato, uh, a confit. Confit is like a like cooking it in duck fat, and then it like it's it. The whole recipe takes 15 hours. Coincidentally, I do believe that is the vegan household. So I, it, I yeah. We might oh, have wait. to find an alternative. Uh, to the there must be some fat alternative, right? Oh, there's always an alternative. Yeah, As today, yeah, yeah. In 18 different vegan cheddar cheeses. Yeah. I have a vegan ranch. If I follow you, we follow your heart. Oh, like a the greatest vegan ranch in the world. I'm pretty sure like a canola oil could do something similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, but... They have like bouillon cubes for chicken broth. Oh. So. They have tons of stuff now, uh, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll ask him about it because if that sounds good, he will then dive headfirst into trying to figure out how to do it. And, um, my... and co- coincidentally, that was popularized on TikTok, which was a conversation we were having when the previous recording oh. was disrupted. Right, we were talking. <laughs> I was about... about to give my TikTok tips, but go ahead, John. I was going to say my one response to what you've said is uh, again another hot take from our podcast. That Harrison, eleven out of ten, great guy. Uh, uh, you're both 11s out of 10s. Uh, you're, you're, you're both lovely people. You're both 22 uh, out of 20. Together. You're both 22 out of 20. Yeah. Absolutely. We're just different. Like Harrison is so sweet and kind and, uh, he's just somebody that you are happy to be around. And then once you've like become very happy being around him, you come to me and I tell you about all the things you're doing wrong with your life. And then you go back to Harrison you're like, oh, I learned a lot from Kayla, but I'm feeling a bit down about my choices. And then Harrison makes you happy again. It's like the very equally refreshing experience, like going from a hot tub into a cold pool and then back exactly. into the hot tub. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah, I that's that's, a great it's called like contrast therapy or something. Oh, is it? Okay. So that's what your your partnership is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should probably make a business. Yeah. yeah. Just go talk to us each for an hour at a time. Um, so we were actually talking a little bit about TikTok. I wanted to say that I do think TikTok is an interesting venue for magicians these days. Yeah. Um, I I feel because the video forms are sh- at most a minute long, you are less prone to have to create. Uh, I'm sure that we've seen very long viral videos about magic where things are very extended for a long time mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in very unpalatable ways, to, in my opinion. Um, and there's a fair, although there's a fair amount of like TikTok magic that's like, let me show you how this is done. There's also a lot of, a lot of like, hey, I bought this Tenyo thing. Let me show this Tenyo thing. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for some TikTok magic. I'll just send you some more stuff. I haven't found a ton of TikTok magic. I've found less than I have thought I would see. And I've just done a couple like magic magician searches on TikTok. Nothing uh-huh. like huge. Um, I follow Magic Singh. I remember you showed me that guy. He's, he's pretty good. Huge. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's very big. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, um, I follow Josh Janowski. Okay. On TikTok, and then uh, um, Kyle Marlet. Marlet, yeah. Marlet is on there as well. Um, anyway, 
It's a, I, I think Justin Woolman has waded in there as well at this I'm point. Sure. I'm sure. I mean, I, TikTok. At now, I mean, Anthony Hopkins has a TikTok. Does so he really? Yes. Yeah, so anyone Fuck out yeah. there who's like, there's a couple things I've joined in the last couple of years, which, which I think for a while, a lot of us were like, I'm too cool for that. I'm too cool for TikTok and I'm too cool for Cameo. Um, and Anthony Hopkins got a TikTok and I'm like, so now anyone can feel legit having a TikTok. And then I can't forget, I can't remember who joined Cameo. And I was like, I might as well join Cameo at this point. Who, who, how much do you think, I know he's not on it or it sounds like he's not on it. How much do you think an Anthony Hopkins Cameo would cost? 500. Prob- yeah, probably 500. Really? I, I, would, I would say like seven or eight. I don't know what the ceiling is there, but I remember for my sister's birthday, I looked up the Kevin Smith Cameo and that was like 350. And if Kevin Smith is 350, then Anthony Hopkins has got to be like a thousand dollars. It's a wild market because there are some people that are like wildly high or low. And I think some people are uh, see it as a little bit of a, of a ranking or an ego thing if they have a high price. I personally have set my price. I would like to do one a day. And so I'm going to raise and lower my price to be at whatever that level is. And I'm what just are you ready. at now? Uh, I'm at, this weekend, 25% off. You can get at me for $29.95. Oh, my oh. God, people. That is a steal. <laughs> It's a Mother's Day thing because um, all the mothers out there that want to hear from me. Do you a lot weekend? of a lot of mothers? Are they your fans? No, no. They just they they cameo wide. They sent out a thing to everyone saying, "Hey, do you want to do a coupon for Mother's Day?" That's great. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, I just did it because uh, on my TikTok, people were ask kept asking me for like, "Hey, can you give a shout out to this?" And it actually became stressful to deal with oh did i remember to do that one for that lady in canada and, uh, and so actually now it's just managed through an app and if i can make enough to buy myself an imac at some point you know yeah i mean i'm not there yet i'm probably i'm about a third of the way to an imac if people yeah, that's pretty that, good you know. is, like, cameo, you know, <clears throat> is cameo worth doing if you're not popular or famous because i know there are a fair few magicians on there saying like oh i'm gonna make a trick for you and then they just do the same trick in every video so i'm i'm curious if cameo is worth it if you are not a famous person i think that it's worth whatever you think you can get out of it like and whatever the market will bear i I thought you couldn't even get on if you weren't a famous person i thought you had to kind of like be clear you sort of can but there i mean like i could refer you guys but like there's there's um there's, I mean, you you say that, but there's people with like a thousand TikTok followers that have a cameo, wow. you know, and there's people that charge four dollars and ninety nine cents, and they've gotten two hundred of them because some kid was like, "I want one," whatever. So, like, it's a it's not a rational market. <laughs> so right. I would say like it's worth it if it's maybe it's worth it to those magicians that are like, I just want to do this one thing over and over and make a little bit of extra money, and. It is, I am a little conscious of like, because sometimes uh, they can, the, the person buying it can decide whether or not the recording you make for them is public or private. So I am a little wary of like, I don't want to say the same things over and over. And because mm-hmm. you can look at other people's, what they've ordered. Anyway, uh, anyway, my quick TikTok tips are quality over, uh, quantity over quality. Because, uh, and I think this is a good lesson to learn in general about virality is that what things go viral and what don't is very random. Yes. Um, so for example, on TikTok, there's a Q and a feature. Now people can ask me questions and I answer them and they're all literally 90% superstore related. Um, <clears throat> and I answered like 10 of them. Most nine of them, 500 views or less. One of them, 
32,000 views. And literally, I did them all in like three minutes. Yeah, that's wild. There's no rhyme or reason why that one was better than the other. You're just crazy. It's like the YouTube formula at one point was you need to put out one video a day. Uh And then you'll have viral success at some point. So is it kind of the same where it's just like, here's content and... At some point, one one video is just going to go huge. Yeah, because the the um, algorithm is such a black box. You have no idea really what's going. Oh, I will say, um, after the George Floyd Floyd vid- verdict, I made a fifteen second video where I didn't speak, and it was just di- uh, text saying, you know, this is good, but it's not the end. We still have work to do. Black Lives Matter. That video I checked for the next three hours had zero views and zero likes. Yeah, but that's the the TikTok formula is now isn't there a suspicion that they're stifling activist I mean, videos? It was right after the verdict. <clears throat> it was properly tagged so it would be that should come up. And I don't have any videos that have zero views. Like even one view and one you know like if I put something up I'll get a like within 5 minutes. So I I was really suspicious after that happened i was like uh why and the only thing in the video that could have triggered something like that was the text black lives matter so that was really disappointing can you just can you just add text in there that just says like unicycle horseback riding yeah. pretty color and then i should try that <laughs> or just like like uh it has black lives matter like embedded within a larger paragraph or something mm-hmm. yeah um, so anyway I, I, the last thing i'll say about tiktok is that it is a fun creative uh tiktok is the most remixy out of any social media that's ever happened so it's accepted on tiktok that you're going to take someone else's post either and i mean sometimes directly copy it but hopefully put a twist on it and evolve it and really a lot of the most viral tiktoks it's often not the first person who came up with an idea it's someone who added a twist it's morphed and sometimes you sometimes you see something i'm like i don't even know like where all the threads of this came from um, but it's not a bad thing to right. just like scroll through and it, get your creative ideas juicing. I think it's very fun. And also the algorithm for providing you your content, the one that you watch is extremely effective because now I it have is. like 75% gay bears on my, uh, my, my for you page. Oh, it, so do I. I thought that was just like a thing that everybody gets. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, we should talk about the online wonder gala. We should. That's happening soon. Uh, yeah. And I feel of, first of all, I yeah. feel like this past section was a really great um, foreshadow into me eventually hosting your podcast because I, I suddenly caught myself going into interview mode. I was uh-huh. like, "Tell me more about TikTok." Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, should I interview myself for the online wonder gala? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make some coffee. If you wouldn't mind, just sort <laughs> well, of. Like- that's my favorite thing in press conferences when someone has like a scandal has happened, and they'll be like, "Do I regret doing this?" Of course I do. Would I do it again? No, I wouldn't. I'm like the reporters are the, the reporters can ask you those questions. Um, yep. So the online wonder gala starts next Friday, um, uh, April thirtieth. Um, this lineup is bananas. Uh, uh, Eric Tate, Shudogawa, Alba. That's a get right there. Alba is a get. Um, um, a lot of people I don't recognize. Can you, um, um, where did you, first of all, my first question is, where did you find some of these performers uh, um, that, that some people, uh, at least maybe on the West Coast, right, where I live, might not be um, as familiar with? Yeah, so 
Chris Grace and I had a meeting and we made a list of performers <laughs> we liked. Uh, and that's kind of where they came from. So Noah Sony, I had seen on Fool Us and mm. I just sort of um, fell in love with him as a performer. I just, I just think Noah Sony is amazing. And I, I'm really excited to see his virtual show. I've heard really good things about it. He's super creative, very likable, just a really interesting performer. And his Fool Us performance kind of solved a lot of the things I hate about magic, which is inauthenticity, uh, standard lines, not creative material. He fixed all of those issues. And so I I really adore him. Um, Martika is a brilliant, I just sort of learned about Martika through social media uh, postings. And then she happened to be in a panel discussion on Shazam. And Mm -hmm. the reason she came on the panel was because Noah Sony had to uh, back out at the last minute and the host that was going to be hosting that panel, because it was a, a panel discussion about being black and being a performer and the experience of uh, that. And so Randy Shine, who was hosting it, brought in Martika. So I got to meet her and was like, oh, I just love this woman. Really talented stunt performer. So she's going to be doing her one woman stunt show. She's also going to be teaching a workshop on stunt performing theory. So she's not teaching any stunts, but she's going to talk to you about the theory behind stunts and then end with teaching everybody a skill you can add to your magic show basically right after the workshop. You just have to have a prop with you. Uh, We're going to be sending that out in a couple of days so that if you want to take that workshop, you can just grab that off of Amazon. But if you want to learn this, it's a really cool skill. So I'm I'm super pumped about that. so then we have uh, so our we have a variety workshop section and that's going to be taught by Martika. We have Kate Flaherty is going to be teaching advancing your juggling skills and um, Karen Mariama, who is one of the best comedy teachers and comedy actors. Also the director of one of the funniest L.A. improv shows that you can go to called The Black Version. It's so good and yeah. Karen's amazing. She's going to be teaching a workshop on how to find your natural funny and how to hone your performance persona. So even if you're not interested in doing comedy, she's going to talk about just how to hone your personality on stage. Uh, So that's, I think, worth the price alone. Each individual thing is worth the price, which is really cool. What I love about some of the things you've told me about so far, and if just going through the website and reading the schedule and reading what these people are, is I really do appreciate that there's a lot of emphasis on, like, kind of giving you the tools more than just, like, the finished product itself. It's more about, like, instead of here's some fun stunts you can do and here's some funny jokes, it's, like, here's how you can sort of enhance your own dynamic as a performer. Here's how you can sort of learn stunt theory in a way that might be able to help you. And it's and it's sort of more about, like, kind of giving you the paintbrushes to kind of go make your own thing as opposed to just, like, here's the paint, here's the paint by numbers, fill it in, and now you'll all have the same cool act that isn't going to be as good as mine because I'm a talented stunt performer and, and you're not. I do think that is sometimes, um, I think uh, magic conventions sometimes succumb to giving people a little too much of like the candy that they think they want. And this is uh, some really interesting approaches. A couple that like, I've never done stunts before. I don't particularly have any interest in doing stunts, but that sounds very interesting because I don't but have to be like... But we have an interest in seeing you do stunts. Very <laughs> yes. much. The world, the world is waiting, and I'm going to keep them waiting. That's until your I'm ready. TikTok, Ocardo. That's my TikTok. <laughs> John tries stunts. 
You know, I think that it's an interesting kind of inflection point in terms of um, what you expect from a convention, because I do think just from even only being in magic a couple of years that uh, magicians accumulate a lot of that candy. Um, I feel like all every magician's garage is literally, I mean, my garage is literally full of probably 500 tricks in physical or book form mm -hmm. or lecture note form that I will never get to. And like, while you're at the convention, it's like, Oh, this is cool. I learned this one thing. I bought this one thing, but the, they've been pretty low on like methodology. Yeah. There's, there are a lot of things as a very experienced person at magic conventions at this point going my first one I went to when I was, I think like 10. So I've been going for a long time. And at this point, there are things that you just know are going to happen, which is you're going to learn a lot of tricks you're never going to do. Mm. You're going to buy a lot of tricks that you're never going to do. You're going to see your friends, which is a big selling point of conventions. You're going to see your friends. You're going to jam. You're probably going to learn more from the jams that you retain than from a lecture. But And then you're going to see some great shows. But it would be really nice to fill in some of those gaps. And one thought I had while you know, focusing on some of the inner workings of this, you know, Chris Grace and I really planned the whole, like it was actually, Chris, it was your idea for the convention. Anyway, giving credit where credit's due. You just sent me a message one day about problems you saw with conventions. And we uh -huh. went, oh, let's do it. Let's fix it. And we and then did. Kayla did all the work. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea you were a behind the scenes producer of Online Wonder Gala. I'm yeah. really not in any way. Um, I, I've, I've responded to a few emails and the initiatives that I've, I've tried to help with the convention have all failed. So, um, which ones are those? Th those are trying to get uh, the writer of uh, She Hulk to be a guest. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, wanted, spoke with her. Uh, I spoke with her last week. She's too busy. Chris uh, wanted Tucker Carlson to be the keynote speaker. That was the other one. That was the I other wanted one. a panel of Tucker Carlson, <laughs> Alex Jones, and uh, Larry King, uh, and they were not available. Um, yeah, yeah very, for, very, for a variety of reasons. <laughs> People don't know what the opening Friday night activity is yet, so. Uh, they might, they might see Tucker right. Carlson. That's true. We don't know. We're going to find out. Is it Alan Bursky? You can tell me. <laughs> it's just Alan Bursky doing a comedy workshop. Um, uh, <laughs> Kayla, have you talked, uh, you have talked publicly or have you not about the format of the convention? So I, not really, but I'm happy, I'm very happy to discuss it because it's a, it's very important that the format, the main reason why we, why you sent me a message one day is not a marketing tool. We did not want to use this as a look at us, look at the great thing that we're doing, uh, because that's a really frustrating a lot of um, white people do. And as a white person, I didn't want to say, look at me and look at how great I'm doing. But also I didn't want it to be, I just wanted it to exist. I just wanted it yeah. to be, look at how great magicians are and look at, you should come and just see a great magic convention. It just also happens to be we hyper-focused on diversity. Mm -hmm. And it was also something that I, I remember in our first meeting, we made a list of not white men. Who did we want to book that was not a white guy? Mm -hmm. And our list was giant. Yeah, I mean, After looking at went, the list of people you have booked, it's really not a like, well... We kind of gave a slot to this person because of no. this. it's like, oh no, this is a primo. Right. primo. We, we also didn't have boxes to check. We just said diversity, right? 
let's just hit diversity. Let's be, let's be conscious of this. And we've got great performers. Like it was amazing. They said, yes, they're all so good. And when we had that list, it was just like, this was so easy. We didn't have to even Google anyone. There was no effort put in to make a list of badass, talented, amazing, diverse performers. It was simple. Mm -hmm. And then we went, why don't conventions do this? This yeah, I mean, th this sprung out of the this sprung out of my frustration with a, another virtual convention because to me, a virtual convention you have so many less logistics to deal with in terms of booking people, and so it's to me more and more inexcusable that a lineup be so homogenous. Um, and it's not. Listen, I love white guys. I'm married to one, um, but like it, it, we're nowhere near a point no matter how much you want to blow up the idea of like, well, you got to be a minority to get an opportunity these days. Um, we're nowhere near the point where white men are underrepresented in anything. And I say that as someone who yesterday took a photo of a new true TV magic show called big trick energy featuring four white guys. <laughs> uh, it's fu It's very funny to hear somebody say the sentence. I'm not racist. I, how could I be? I'm married to a white guy. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've heard that a different way. Thousands of times. I've never heard like, I didn't say I'm not racist. <laughs> Boy, me. He gets the brunt of it. That's true. That's true. You just said, I like white guys. Yeah. I'd like okay. to now just insert um, your song. Don't be, don't be, don't, <laughs> don't be, be, don't be, be racist. <laughs> we just watched that the other day. I had to scroll through your whole TikTok to find it oh, because geez. we love it so much. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, you had noticed this. And then when we decided to dive headfirst into booking a intentionally diverse convention, it was just easy. It, it genuinely was not hard to do. And you're right, is in a virtual world, why aren't you reaching out? Like, we have one performer from Italy. She sent in a pre-recorded video. Oh, she's from Italy. <laughs> she's awesome. Mm -hmm. Why Why was that hard? It wasn't at all. I literally sent an email. They said, yes, done. Yeah. You know, there's how, did just you, a, how did you find them? I, I noticed um, that there was another person I figured you, you probably didn't know super well before this. Yeah, so Gilly, uh, I've been a fan of for the last year because she makes amazing Facebook magic videos. Mm -hmm. And I, I, Gilly has been part of the many things that have gotten me through a pandemic. She's just adorable and sweet, and her magic is actually really strong. You would think like, oh, okay, maybe a, a, someone who I have noticed on social media videos might not be a, a good performer, but she's so good, and I'm so excited for her everyone to see her. She's super talented. Uh, and yeah, so she sent in a, a video. I've seen the act already. It's really awesome. So as I think that's going to be super fun. And yeah, so a lot of the people that we found were just people that we put on a list and or uh, Mark D'Souza has also been helping out. Mark had some good suggestions. He's an ultimate uh, guy. Yeah, super. He's been booking a convention forever. And yeah. he's always ha uh, focused on diversity, which I really appreciate. He's been very conscious of making sure that he, his convention is as diverse as he uh, can possibly get that year. He has a lot of hurdles that he has to go over. We have a whole podcast episode about why it's hard for him to book women at a convention uh, because a lot of women don't have lectures and he needs the, all the performers to have lectures. It's really mm -hmm. interesting. And again, in the virtual space, like I don't need that because I didn't pay for your flight or your hotel. I just need you to do what you do well and that's it. 
Um, you know, Felice Ling has been on Shazam multiple times. She's so talented. She's a great street performer. So she's doing a street performing workshop. Uh, so everybody has either, it's funny, a lot of the people have been on Shazam. <laughs> that's where I've, I've well, that's met a lot of them. It's like yeah. seeing this whole familiar cast of characters. Yeah. Yep. So I, I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. And then our, our Friday night opening activity is very slowly being developed, but it's absolutely nuts. It's going to cool. be re- a really fun thing. So. And also, um, uh, this convention should have some ability to hang out virtually. So part of it is also like these performers and their fans and the people who are interested in this kind of work, just like talking to each other. Yep. So the, we are using uh, a world, a platform, much like how if you have been to the unconventional.fun convention run by the Toronto Magic Club, that has a world where there's jam sessions and stuff. It's a totally different platform. It's uh, someone the other day called it very LA. So I'm very excited <laughs> for that. Great. Uh, that is the weirdest. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, but I'm going to take it. So it it's very different and it's very it's much more chill and relaxed and it's this super fun world. But it's kind of like this is a bad way to explain it, but it's like a hotel, but the hotel is in the universe. So you'll have the first floor of the hotel where you can jam and hang out and talk to people. And the second floor of the hotel is a dealer's room. So we do have a dealer's room, uh, but they, you don't have dealer's booths. They're all food trucks and farmer's market stands. So it's really fun uh, in that regard because it's not just a normal hotel. So you get to uh, have this really fun experience in a totally different world. I have not been to the unconventional uh, conven- convention. I don't even know how to refer to it. Um, um, so what what are you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, so what uh, is a computer? Uh, uh, so what it is, is it's, you have a virtual avatar mm-hmm. and you walk around a, a, a sort of, uh, a, this is more like a hand drawn environment. It's, it's, I, I feel it's a, it's a very pleasing aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and the unconventional was using a uh, software called gather town, which is an eight bit, like, uh, old like school Nintendo looking mm-hmm. thing. And that was fun in, in a way. And I, but I think this is actually a sort of, uh, just a different feel, um, I guess it's more LA, but it's also kind of more like more like a modern JRPG. That's like um, not quite like Animal Crossing. But it's like a Stardew Valley kind of. Okay. Anyone knows what that means? I'm more than the, the other one looks like Zelda almost. It reminds me a lot of the original Winnie the Pooh. Oh yes. So if you okay. think about the, how the aesthetic of Winnie the Pooh and its hand drawing and it's in a forest and. Um, how the characters move is how your avatar moves. So it's it's a very pleasant thing. There are some, it's a very new platform, like super, super new in the last couple, in the last like year or so it's been developed. So there are some things that uh, I wish were slightly different, but for what we're doing, it's really, really fun. So I get to build this whole world and it's That's awesome. really, enjoy- yeah, I'll show it to you after we're done recording if you want to see it, but it's just a really, yeah, it's a really fun space. And so it really lends itself to like the dealer spaces. You can click on a truck and a link will pop up and you can buy things right there while you're in the worlds. So for example, if, you know, shoot does is doing his lecture, you can head to shoots uh, dealer's booth which is a farmer's market stand. You click on the farmer's market stand, his order form pops up, you choose what you want. 
Awesome. And then you, you check out. So it's a really lovely way of doing uh, a virtual convention space. So I'm really excited for that. I think it's going to be a fun place to jam. You can hang out. It's going to be great. Uh, what um, can you tell? Can you dish on, on the dealers that will be there? Uh, yeah. Is that a draw? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably that's a really good idea of maybe to saying who is going to be a dealer. Uh, so we do have so Cressy products, uh, Lily Von Stupp and the Burlesque deck uh, is oh, going to be there. Um, we have a, a Magic Apple, so a bunch of man, you know, Magic mm-hmm. shops, Magic manufacturers. So it's going to be a nice, uh, nice fun dealers room. Yeah, John, there's not going to be actual food truck if that's what you're asking. Uh, oh, okay. I'm sh- Oh, I just realized. Quick your question. question. Yeah, quick question. Do you offer refunds on on registrations or? or? <laughs> um, I can uh, reg- I can refund your registration, but your T shirt is probably going to be to you in the next day or two, so I might not be able to refund that. That's John, fine. That's John, fine. Uh, you're just buying me dinner. We just charge a a one hundred percent restocking fee. Okay. Your virtual registration. That's okay, that makes about, sense. That's how about fair. instead, uh, I just ordered you a burrito mid-convention. I would okay. appreciate Yeah, if you just have a burrito delivered to me, I'll be a pretty happy guy in no most problem. contexts. You can ask me to go to a funeral and be like, is there going to be a burrito there? Like, yeah, yeah, and then I'll be fine. Well, I mean, there's a burrito in the coffin. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's how I want to be buried. If they're properly embalmed, it's a it's technically a burrito. Yeah. Um, Clever. Uh, I, actually, I want to ask you to... Uh, how is uh how's your zoom game these days how's how's the uh your magic world john i believe has been leveling up his zoom capabilities i have yeah it's been um it's been a it's been a journey um uh it's been fun i've 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 enjoyed it there's still some more stuff i want to tweak with and some more lights i want to get but i've got this little virtual studio and i've done a couple private things through it and it's been a lot of fun i'm late to the game so i'm 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 trying to uh and i'm hoping to do a live like a public show just so i can sort of gather a little bit more um um uh video of of my of a virtual show like with an audience and people reacting and stuff so i can i can make a better make a better virtual reel as opposed to like my hybrid virtual live reel that i have have currently uh by the way Um, i believe that eric tate is doing a supplemental workshop uh on zoom shows yeah we didn't get to talk about it but on sunday there's a an additional for an additional fee there's a boot camp on virtual shows and streaming so if you're interested in that, he's going to be talking about a lot of the technical stuff. So no tricks or anything, but it's uh, a lot of the deep technical stuff of streaming or virtual mm-hmm. magic. That's great. Well, uh, um, how much does that cost? Is like a supplementary Money. thing? Money. It's very, very affordable. Thousand dollars. Pennies. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's twenty dollars. It's like a one one word story there. Improv game. That's great. <laughs> uh, Kayla, you um, I, I feel like you shook your head a little bit. Are you in the same boat as me in that? I'm kind of like, I've done improv over Zoom, but I'm also a little bit like, you know what? We're all getting vaccines. Like, why don't we just sort of head back to theaters? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I definitely am in that boat. Uh, I, I've done my best with virtual shows. I have kind of two hurdles. The main One big hurdle is I don't understand technology. It is a, oh it's just something that doesn't, click in my head i you and me both it's it's really it's it's really hard i grew up with super old parents so we didn't really have techno like advanced technology in the house we had a tv 
that you had to like get up and change the channel for until I was maybe eight. So wait, I, so d- did they have you very late? Yeah, my mom was forty four. My dad was forty eight. I don't have siblings. Wow. Yeah, they were married when they were seventeen and twenty one. So they like couldn't have kids, and then just one day, hello. So, <laughs> right. uh, so yeah, so I, technology is just not something I understand. So it's a, it is a hurdle. So one thing that I, I just knew very early on is I'm not, I tried, I downloaded OBS, I opened it and I immediately got rid of it. I went, I, this is not for me. <laughs> you and I are cut from very similar claws. I am yeah. a ba- o- OBS. I'm, oh, bullshit. bullshit. Exactly. Uh, I, I've, oh, I've, I've, I, every two months I've tried to relearn OBS and then I hit a single hurdle and I go, okay, I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to solve this. Google's problem. No direct, immediate answers. Cool. Fuck this forever. I'm going to go back to playing video games. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I learned a couple weeks ago about stream decks, and they just, they look like so much work. I understand that the the end result is really cool when you can push a button, but yeah. I've also seen magicians be like, all right, let's give them a round of applause, and they clearly meant to hit the applause button, but instead it was like the gasp track. <laughs> like, all right, so that's this is not a good one. Uh, or like but that might be that might replicate their real world. world experiences of their shows when they expect applause and they get <laughs> disappointed. I, I had a bit where I like every time I end a trick and I was gonna play like you know everyone plays like loud music like Kanye or something at the end of a song or at the end of a bit. I wanted to do it, but just like it's my Spotify playlist with just the ads. <laughs> Because uh, I want to say, like, anytime I finish a trick, I'm like, thank you very much. And then I press a button when you're expecting some loud, cool music. It's like the best part of waking up uh, and, and shit like that. Uh, I never That's the right it. thing to do. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah, I just, I, that, but also I just hate them. I really, really hate them. I hate mm. virtual shows. And the thing is that, so I've done a couple really fun ones. I've done a couple really great corporate uh, events where it comes, it comes close to half of the satisfaction of doing a live show, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, I did a run and I'm going to be doing another because the run got extended uh, and I'm doing like a weekend, like a week guest spot in this run through the ART theater in Boston. Mm. And those have been great. The audience is really fun. The show is a really cool structure. You do, I basically it's a rotating, you do 15 minutes and you, reset and go into the next breakout room and reset, go into the next breakout room. And that's really enjoyable. The audiences have been awesome. I also, is that, is that Harvard? Yeah. Well, 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 Hey, it's the only time I'll get close to Harvard. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I had the, I, we should talk about this at it later, but I got to do an audio described show for the visually impaired and blind. Oh, so that was really oh, cool. And that was uh, only really uh, an opportunity to do on Zoom. So I thought that was really awesome. There have been some really cool things. I had chose not to market the virtual shows, except that they it exists on my website that says I do them. Hmm. But I just chose to not try any fancy technology, use what Zoom offers, and leave it at that. Because if I tried anything fancy, like everybody else is doing, I just knew it was going to be a disaster. So I just kept it nice and simple for my own brain, focused on doing a fun, interactive, uh, as close to a live performance as I possibly can mm-hmm. over Zoom. And then that's been it. I've more been doing the teaching route, and the teaching magic has been awesome. It's actually really fun over Zoom, because I've been teaching people from all over the country. So that's been really cool where I would never be able to teach someone that lives in Washington, DC 
or Florida. And now I can. So that's been really great. But yeah, the virtual shows are uh, to me, they're cool because as I kind of said before we were recording, I can just go from here upstairs, do a, a lesson or a show and then go into another one and another one, and another one with 30 seconds in between. Yeah. So that's really cool. And I really like that. I don't have to get on a plane to do a show or anything, but of course then you don't get the same level of satisfaction from an audience. So there's trade off, but I'm I, really pumped. I'm double vaxxed now. So I'm nice. really pumped to get out. Hey. So oh man. Yeah. The, between the three of us, there have been five shots. Yeah. That's great news. That's good news. I, I, I will just say that uh, I have a slightly, it's not contrarian, but like, I, I feel like I'm saying this out loud and no one else is uh, in terms of liberal left people. But like, I am going to like, I'm not scared about getting the virus. I have the double vax. I have two weeks after my last shot. Um, I'm going to Texas on Monday to help canvas for a politician. And I... Uh, a Republican politician. Yes, yes. That's why I'm not afraid, because God is on my side. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, I... Uh, I don't know how to put this. I want to caution people that have been so... Um, careful about the virus up until the point that they get the vaccine. That we don't carry forward our fear about it to the point that we're not being scientific anymore because there is a lot of science now that suggests that if you have both vaccinations that your chance of getting what's called a breakthrough infection is literally like 0.002 percent so there's been there's been 75 million people that are fully vaccinated and of those people there's 5800 have gotten a breakthrough infection of those people like 350 have been hospitalized and 74 have died so that's 74 people out of 75 million vaccinations. So there's just going to be like, I personally believe right now that if you're outside, in most situations outside, you don't need to wear a mask. And I will wear a mask in California because that is what is asked of us right now. But in Texas, I'm probably not going to. And I'm, I'm sorry if that, like, I want to make it inviting to get the vaccination. I want to show that there is a life beyond it because in my opinion, if we put forth the idea that like, hey, get your vaccination, but you should still be as scared as you were before and you should wear a mask everywhere. And like that to me is not appealing to the people that are resisting. And in the next month or so, especially in California, we're going to have an issue of we have plenty of supply of vaccinations starting next month and not enough demand. So we want to yeah. make it more appealing for more people so that we can get back to live theater. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, so I'm a high risk person. So, uh, I, I have some additional elements in there. One of those additional elements is that there is not enough conclusive evidence yet on how an overactive immune system pointing to myself fight fights against an MRNA vaccine. Mm -hmm. And there is some evidence that says an overactive immune system cancels out an MRNA vaccine. So I, uh, have a very different case Whereas I will be wearing a mask for the rest of my fucking life. Yeah. That's not true, but it's for us, we are still, I mean, we're very excited. Like we've already invited people over. Like We're, we're ready to like have an occasional gathering of, of four people in our home and stuff. But I don't trust the people outside who have not been wearing a mask for the last year to continue to be safe, to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas because if I get, if, if COVID takes half of the impact it could before vaccine hits me now, chances are my life is in some dangerous strait. Yeah. So it's very scary still 
and I am very excited to get back to live theater, but I'm also not certain I'm going to be doing that until maybe the fall because I just don't trust people in planes. Like you're in a tube in the sky. No, uh, no, no, no. People have already caused an issue with that. Uh, in a theater, like theaters have been safe, but I don't trust people. So I am a little bit nervous, but I'm very excited for like November because mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to have a better luck on everything. I cannot wait to do live shows again. As soon as I can do live shows again, if a virtual show comes across my plate, I am saying no. <laughs> I cannot wait. Maybe uh, I'm a bit of a contrarian. First off, I, my, I, I am very fortunate uh, and privileged in, in that I'm not high risk. I just have immense anxiety. Uh, yeah. I, I, I have metaphorically and emotionally wrapped my home in cellophane from March of last year. And I and and even to this day, I'm like, I'm fine with this. I, I, oh, I yeah, yeah. I'm okay. Um, I I I enjoy Zoom shows. I think they've been fun. It's great to be able to go click, close off, pajamas on. And four minutes later, I'm watching. I'm watching. I don't know. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is great. Ted Lasso is the hero we need right now. Um, <laughs> uh, but. Um, so, so that's that's one 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 thing also that we're very the first corporate thing I did um, had an hour of entertainment. I did thirty minutes in between two comedians who both did fifteen minutes. I won't say what this was for or who they were, um, but um, what I found was is that I, the Zoom format worked great for magic in a way that absolutely torpedoed both of them. Um, because what I was able to do is I was able to have everybody on mute and then bring in one, two, three people in at a time pinned with their audio on, as I'm sure you've had this experience, Kayla, to do a magic trick. They're laughing, they're reacting, they're clapping and all the stuff. So you sort of get the vibe. Um, and then I have so much control over when people are on, when they're not. The comedians were trying to, they didn't have any interaction, but they wanted enough people that they could hear laughing. But anytime they fucked with that, um, uh, you had all this background noise that ruined their act and both of them were really thrown off by it. And both of them were really like in a way that was unfortunately very noticeable. And I don't think that I was like way better at handling, you know, interruptions or like things than them. Um, I just think that to my credit, luckily the format just was easier for like magic and, and, and me. So I, I do think that there is a way to make, where, where where the magic where the zoom format is really really great for like i can't imagine i i would see 10 virtual magic shows before i saw a single virtual stand-up show or improv show um just because i just for just because i think generally speaking the format works works better for that um, and i don't think this will ever go i don't think this will ever permanently go away i know people are debating if their virtual shows are going to go away forever but i've seen some good what feels like good information that says that like Something along the lines of 65% of employees are going to want some form of hybrid virtual, like be able to work from home environment, which at the very least says to me that virtual entertainment by extension will never fully go away. If companies, especially corporate companies, realize they don't need to fly people in, book, you know, $20,000 ballrooms, shit like that. Um, so I, uh, so because there was a time where I, I did a couple of these things and everyone started getting the vaccinations. I was like, oh man, did I just spend like, three and a half grand on all of this equipment that I'm really happy with. And I have this great setup now that I'm really happy with just for everyone to be like, well, never, we're never doing that again. Fuck yeah. zoom forever. <laughs> nope. um, I just saw a lecture the other day. I saw Jay Sankey's lecture of the magic apple and he was quoting. So he was kind of asking about this, pondering about this. And he was quoting somebody. I don't remember who he was quoting that 
theorized that people are going to associate Zoom so heavily with the pandemic. There's going to be a total revulsion of that. I just don't see that happening. I think it is part of our society going forward. I don't think, I just, I don't believe that we're all collectively just going to be like, fuck virtual forever. Um, but really. I, I think that what I would love, which is maybe not going to happen, is I would love there to be, there to be a different product that's built from the ground up for performances Yes. As opposed to this is really we're distorting a thing that's like it makes sense why it's so good for school or for private lessons because it's really meant for conferencing and it makes it's okay for like a family this is our weekly family Zoom call but it but it's a, um it's almost too symmetrical and democratic in a way that you don't want public shows to be because um I don't go to a uh magic show or a stand-up show and me and everyone else in the audience and the performer are all the same volume we all have the same lighting yeah it's all equal no it's like one person is the person we're watching and the technology is is not really built for that right now and on top of that chris i would also argue that part of the magic of good theater is the way that an audience turns from a bunch of individuals into a yes. blended like community that reacts together. And there's this, you know, I've like, I've, I've talked about this a lot. I think I've talked about it on this podcast. I've never, almost never had shows where like half was amazing and half was terrible. Like, like there's a real herd mentality uh, in audiences. Um, yeah. uh, and that's impossible over zoom. There's no way to like blend into a crowd as far as your energy goes, you will, you're always an individual um, watching a show and it's, it's instead of part of a whole, which is part of the magic of like live entertainment and live theater in the first place. Yeah, I well, will say that um, uh, we saw our first movie this past weekend. We saw Minari. I'm going to cry when I see my first movie. I, I and, missed going to the movies more than I miss performing. And um, I think that uh, contrary to what a lot of people think, I actually think that movie theaters are kind of essential for a, a form of small storytelling to exist because Minari is a very patient movie. Yeah. And you are like, you're subservient to this giant screen. You can't pause it. You, you, you can leave, but it's really kind of rude to do so in a way that mm -hmm. isn't like, Oh, I'm just going to wash the dishes while I watch this screen or yeah. Minari at my house. Right. So actually I think while things like Avengers are great um, on the big screen, I think people often focus too much that like, Oh, it's only for summer blockbusters. I said, no, like small, Nomadland type right. patient storytelling is actually really good in a movie theater. That's one of the reasons why, as the Oscars are coming up, and we're talking about this beforehand, like movies I'm excited about. Um, I was one. I'm so partial to um, Promising Young Woman is because that's such a thrilling movie that it's so easy to trump the pitfalls of watching something from home in a way that Minari or No Man Land kind ah, of is not. You. you know what I mean? It really keeps you engaged just by virtue of the format in a way. So I kind of wonder, like, if I saw all three of these movies on a big screen, would I still love Promising Young Woman the most? Um, you know, right. hard to say. I'm going to uh, close this door. We're, we have plumbers here repiping the oh, home. Cool. I don't know if you can hear that drilling. Um, I wanted so to ask Kayla a question. Back from also, I'll be right back. I want to be conscious of your time, Kayla. Oh, cool. But one thing I want to ask you was, with, with Shazam Pod and with this online Wonder Gala, the one thing I love about it, and which is, I, I would say, indirectly inspiring my trip to Texas, is this feeling of, like, there's a problem, and we can be on social media and complain about it, or we can, like, start trying to do something about it. And, it's, and so it's like, you can be like, yeah, you complained about it, but what did you do? And, like, I, yeah. I get that, a strong feeling of that from you. <laughs> 
Uh, do you know what's funny is that for <clears throat> before I became really focused on things that actually mattered, which honestly was only maybe about five years ago, I lived a very uh, privileged life. Uh, you know, we weren't rich or anything, but I definitely have privilege and I didn't even understand what that meant. And I just never had the opportunity to learn about this stuff. And when I did, I went, oh man, I got to do something about it. But before that, I always had this rule in life, which is you can complain about something for a week. You get like a week to be upset about something. Really, it should be less time, but you get a week. And then after that, if you're still complaining about it, you better get off your butt and do something about it. And if if you, at the end of the week, you decide, oh, you know what, I don't really want to do anything about it, you're not allowed to complain anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's that has always been something that I have lived by since like college. So it became, I went, man, I'm still complaining about being a woman in this industry. Why aren't I actually doing anything about it? And that's when stuff started flying and it went super south and that's when the podcast was born and you learn more stuff through that. So it is something that it's like, oh, here's a problem. Maybe I'm not the person to fix it, but I could at least encourage other people. Like I don't have a standing convention that I produce every year. Not, not like uh, Magi Fest with Josh and Andy, not like the SAM or the IBM or any of these big, you know, Magic Lives, Blackpool. I don't have these conventions, but our convention is showing these conventions how easy it is to solve the problem of inclusion, diversity and inclusion in Magic. It's so easy. And I don't understand why, you know, I've had the, I had someone once email a convention producer and they said, I'm, I'm not happy with the, I love your convention, but I'm not happy with the diversity booked at your convention. And they genuinely, and I have this email saved. They genuinely said two years ago, we booked ice McDonald's. So we definitely booked diversity. Wow. Oh, I wasn't sure when you, when you said, when you set that up, if they were complaining, there wasn't enough diversity or they were complaining there's too much diversity. I'm not happy with the (laughs) diversity you have here. Yes. There's no diversity, zero diversity, all white cisgendered men. Mm -hmm. And their response was two years ago, we booked a magician who was black. So we do book diversity. I mean, my my complaint to you that sort of sparked this whole thing came from the fact that I gave feedback to a, a virtual convention that was very not diverse. And then the second go round, by the way, that was feedback that they asked for. They yes. asked every single attendee to give them written feedback on the convention. And the second go round of that convention was arguably less diverse than the first one. Um, so yeah. that's what sparked my anger about the issue. Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's the same woman or it's the same magician who's black or it's this, it's the same person year after year after year. And it's like, that's okay. There are more in the uh, the panel discussion that we had on Shazam uh, about being a black magician. Someone said there are more black magicians than Ice McDonald and Eric Jones. It doesn't take away anything from Ice and Eric. They're brilliant magicians. There are, when you go, I want to book a black magician. I want to book diversity. 
Why do you always go for the same two people? Why do you always go? And again, not, Suzanne is brilliant. There's Suzanne's done nothing wrong. She deserves all of the attention. Why are we always booking Suzanne? There are plenty of other women in this industry that are good enough to be booked at your convention. Yeah, so, and also, also you can book Suzanne and another woman. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you can. You can I book. Think, more I than think one. you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I uh, think that uh, it's also putting the lie to the idea that it's, um, well, you know, it's a lot of work or, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not even sure that the argument this event is making is that all the conventions should look like this exactly. Right. But right. there's probably a middle ground between what they are booking and what what's booked on this con- event. There's also, yeah, and in a way, and... I'm going to shoot myself for saying this in a way. I feel like the online wonder gala has to be a regular thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be here. Everybody right. No, no, April no, no, 30th, 2022. No one heard it. Actually, no. I think what's funny is you basically have created another project that wants to make itself obsolete. That's and that's exact correct because I don't want to do Shazam anymore. I hate it. Uh, that's not true. I actually really, really love it, but I don't want it to be necessary, but I don't want this to be necessary either. And a lot of times I think you can find diverse performers because someone's already done the work for you. So fool us has been uh, very conscious in the last season or two on booking more diverse magicians, which is awesome. So that's how I found Noah Sony. Someone already found Noah Sony. So then I, then I went, oh, I love him. Let me grab him. You know, there are, there are, people have already done the work for you. So if the Online Wonder Gala has to be the work done mm-hmm. for the other conventions, then I guess we have to do this more often. Right. And you know what? Um, great. Um, um, if that is what is necessary to get more inclusion in this industry at Magic Conventions, I'm going to do that work. I'm absolutely fine doing that work. Yeah, it's because, just going to be virtual, but I'm going to say that I'm going to do that work. But this this crew of people, they come to, they show up on April 30th, May 2nd, and kick ass. And then it's like, the next time someone wants to book a diverse convention, they go look at this page at shazampod.com slash OWG, and they're like, oh, let's get Roy Rennick and Felice Ling, because they mm-hmm. kicked ass at the, uh, the OWG. Yep. Do you have any advice to the common magician uh, as far as like what they can do? I mean, because if someone like me or Rob Balchunas, friend of both podcasts at two, home. Two famous racists. Two Rob fa- yeah, that's true. <laughs> famously racist. Yeah. Um, uh, but like if we're at home, you know, we're not booking conventions or something. What can, what would your advice be to somebody who like wants to see more diversity at, at conventions? The only way another a convention producer is going to see the necessity of booking more diversity is that the people attending the convention want to see it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't see it, you don't get their money. Mm-hmm. So money talks, right? That's, that's the important thing. If you are emailing conventions saying, I would love to go to your convention, but I don't, I'm not happy about the lack of diversity that you're booking here are 10 performers. Just send them the online wonder gala flyer. If you want, here are 10 performers. I love that you could book easily. And then if they don't take that feedback, then you say, all right, then I'm not going to be able to come to your convention. Mm -hmm. And if you're 
it, it is a little bit of a threat. I'm not, not going to be honest, like being very honest, it is a little threatening, but you're threatening with your money and that's what, how a convention runs. So if you're, if they're constantly hearing feedback that their convention isn't diverse enough, eventually they're half going to have to go. We need to do something about it. Yeah. And, and if they, they don't, then they die off. And that's, what's important is like, if we, if, the, if someone refuses to, to be better, then they become obsolete in a bad way. And, and I would say um, even a different way to look at that is, is that they become niche in the sense that right now default culture is cis white male culture in general in America. Absolutely. So the idea that, um, that that audience is now like a niche audience. Like if you cast a television show with all white people in it, it's the, it's a niche, it's a genre piece, the same way that people currently view like a Tyler Perry sitcom as, oh, it's a genre. So it's not the default culture anymore. So you don't have access to the full American and international audience without reflecting the way that that audience looks. Yep. I um, think it's really important that if, as you're just sitting at home and you could make the choice of watching an additional episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier <laughs> or sending a couple of emails to convention producers. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I'm saying instead of watching another one, you've just binged like five. Instead of watching six, send a couple emails. Yes, send, John you know, Accardo. I'm just, I might be just telling this to John Accardo, but <laughs> instead of doing that, uh, think about, Sending just a couple emails. Again, it's like, instead of sitting back and complaining about it, just try to do something. And if you're not booking your own convention, send some emails. For the record, I haven't been binging Falcon Winter Soldier. I've been binging Invincible, which is incredibly diverse. Is, yes, yes. Great. Um, Great. I will say uh, one one thing I would say in general about confronting this issue of like essentially like white supremacy as well is that to that anyone could do is that when you get that little pushback from someone about like, Hey, this was a little problematic, or whatever. I, I have been in this situation where you feel this instant, like pushback of like, wait, no, uh, let me explain myself. Cause what I, I really meant was this, or the reason it's different this time is because of this is to maybe just like, try to like notice when that feeling pops up in you and you can allow that feeling, but like, take a moment to go like, okay, let me just actually listen to what's happening right now mm -hmm. instead of putting the automatic defense. And the thing is, is that the more liberal and the more left you get, the more sort of insidious that feeling becomes. And the more you think you have earned a lot more uh, credibility on these topics than you have. Right. Um, and so it becomes a thing to stamp out in even like more obscure places. So that's the thing that I think could apply to anybody in any situation. Yeah, I think there's this sort of like, it's okay to be wrong and to apologize and 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 move forward. If someone says you're, you know, something was a, a joke was a bit problematic, or you weren't, you know, if you're booking a convention, like a low mid level convention, and people kind of call you out on it, you don't have. I think there's this, this defensiveness um, where you don't people are afraid of being labels of racist and all this stuff, especially yeah, the further left you get. And it's, it is okay. No one's going to cancel you because you haven't had a convention that was diverse enough. Also. Yeah. You get canceled for the reaction. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Also, and also you don't note, really get canceled. It is okay to just like, I mean, I think the best thing any of us can do to address these things on ourselves is just being comfortable admitting when you were wrong and you made a mistake and you're learning and growing and, 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 you know, 
but it's yes yeah, when you dig your heels in that's you know and i will say the world we want to get to eventually is actually sometimes you go through that process you think about your feelings and you're like no that trans person was an asshole to me like <laughs> you know what i mean like that's where we want to get to is that yeah. like we treat everyone as individuals and it's it is possible for someone that's from an underprivileged group to behave poorly to you and you react in a way that doesn't have to do with systemic power but it's hard to get there until we dismantle the systemic power. But if you're, and if that person from a, a minority group in an industry says, Hey, I'd love it. If there was more people like me booked at your convention, because here's some information you haven't booked a woman or a person of color since this person three years ago, then it's worth it to go, Oh shoot. I should look at that. You know, stats mm -hmm. don't lie. I, one of my favorite things is to call somebody up and go, hey, you have a magic podcast. Do you want to know what your statistical analysis of your uh, <laughs> representation of women oh, is? Oh, can I guess how many calls back you've gotten for that? Uh, I'm going to say it, in the negatives. So the, the only person who has really responded to me is Richard Young of the Magicians podcast. Uh, but that's because I tour with him. So he has no choice. He can't avoid me. But his, his statistics are fantastic. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but I want to say that some like 12 to 15% of his guests are women out of a hundred. And that's huge because I say your goal is 5%. Mm -hmm. um, I, I average, couple... I, I average out the 7% of hobbyists and the 2% of professionals. So uh, you don't, we're at 5%. Five we're at 5% Kayla Drescher at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was going to ask if you've done our numbers and if we get uh, a boost for having you twice. <laughs> um, yes. um, uh, 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 there are a couple of, of women I've, I've I've reached out to be on this podcast, and I've gotten no's from them, and I'm bummed about it. I might try to poach some people from your convention to be yeah. on our podcast. 100%. Uh, hey, I want to give one more plug for the, the gala. It's uh, Shazampod. Oh, yeah, it's one dot com slash OWG. The uh, regular all-event registration is $25. That's very reasonable. That's absurdly reasonable. Um, um, and then you can get yeah. the VIP that gives you the T-shirt as well. And I believe you can register for some of the shows separately. But it's like, why not just get the full, I full registration? I forgot yeah. that I had a T-shirt coming until you made fun of me and joked about the podcast. The, the shirt coming. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. This is an affordable thing. It is a great cause. It's going to be and on top of the fact it's affordable and like a great and necessary thing to have a convention that's diverse. It's this lineup's fucking insane, and it's going to be great. Uh, Kayla, I'm very excited for you putting this together. I'm very proud of you and, and this work you've done. Uh, yeah, I hope you're proud of yourself. This is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait and, for it. I recommend everybody listening to go get registrations while they're available. And also, we'll be around at the convention, so yeah, come we'll chat with us in this storybook fairy tale world. Oh, yeah. We world. should host our own little like semi-podcast thing in a break in a, in a, in a jam set. I, my I character, know. I'm going to play a pan flute in the middle of a <laughs> forest. And my character is going to be called Chung Ling Su. Um, <laughs> no, I, I okay, no, is that not? No. no? Okay. No. Never mind, I, folks. I'm not going to do that. I can do that. You can. Uh, I want to give a quick uh, shout out that if anyone is in the, in the Fort Worth area next week, uh, I'm traveling to Texas on Monday. I will be volunteering and canvassing for Jana Lynn Sanchez, who is running for the House of Representatives in Fort Worth. Uh, this is an open House of Representatives seat that was red that we're trying to flip to blue. And I'm using my what I recently heard described as micro fame to try to uh, get word out about this candidate um, and uh, to try to flip the seat to blue. I'll be there from Monday to Sunday. If anyone in Fort Worth wants to hang out or preferably come knock on doors with me 
That would be very exciting. Um, That's so good. You could, uh, how can they contact me? I don't know. Send me an email. TikTok. At Chris Grace. TikTok, yeah. Send me TikTok, TikTok, TikTok or uh, Chris Reach Grace. Chris yeah. on Cameo. Uh, hire me on Cameo for $50. And no. Um, ChrisGrace7 at gmail.com. Send me an email so we can meet up. If I can also just mention, uh, if anyone is interested in coming to the Online Wonder Gala, but if $25 is a bit steep, we're in a pandemic still. So mm -hmm. if that is not something that uh, is affordable at this time, don't worry because it was actually, again, Chris Grace's idea. Mm -hmm. But after you, after we announced it, I not only got emails of people saying, yes, I would like to apply for a sponsored registration. I got people offering to sponsor other people's registration. I would like to, yeah, actually, if possible, so, Kayla, I'm going to put this on the record. I would like to sponsor three registrations. Ah, uh, really? Cool. Awesome. If, That's uh, so great. Um, preferably, if you like, I like any like youth or like, I don't know, Magic yeah. Castle Junior or anything like that, uh, something along those lines. But yeah, you get in touch with me and I will I'll sponsor three registrations. Cool. Thank you so much. That's awesome. So yeah, if anyone is interested in applying for or sponsoring a registration, you can, if you want to sponsor one, you can always just shoot me an email. Uh, you can contact me through the Shizam website, the same website that uh, has been said this whole time. But also if you want to apply for one of the sponsored registrations, so far, everyone that is applied is, has applied is probably going to get a sponsored registration. We have more sponsorships than applications. So people apply so that we can get you uh, to come to the convention because we would love to have everyone there. And uh, we made it affordable, but if it's still too steep, no problem. Just apply for a sponsored registration. And uh, they're going to be announced on Sunday, the 25th. Uh, and except, for, except for Rob Balchunas, you're not eligible for Yeah, please yeah, don't. If you give it to mind to Rob Balchunas, I want a refund on all three of them. Yeah. Oh, okay, um, yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that if you can't afford to sponsor on a registration, uh, please do it. I mean, I, I think when I was, uh, I've been like gifted something like that before, and it really makes a difference in people's yeah. lives and all, uh, um, and it, that, that can really have a profound effect on somebody um, and, their, and their sort of uh, future magic and their outlook in magic. So if you can That's do that, it's really important that I, and please, I hope that you do. Cool. Kayla, thank you so much for being on the show. Always yeah, great to have you. We'll see you in six months. We'll see Done. you in, uh, we'll <laughs> see you in November. Yeah. Uh, and to our regular fans, uh, we do want to do this more regularly. Yeah. Chris, I have, on I've, camera, I'm going to ask when you're free next week to do another one of these. Uh, I will be in Texas. I actually probably could do it from Texas. Uh, okay. I have forgotten Mnemonica. So I tested. I, it's getting a little. It's getting a little rougher on the edges for me too. I got to get back into it. Uh, Kayla, we're taking up so much of your time. We know you have a meeting in three minutes. So yes. I will. Uh, we will get off. And uh, um, uh, Chris, I'll text you. Kayla, thank you again so much. Thank um, you. Go to shazampod.com slash owg slash owg. Okay. Right. Bye. See you next time.